500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds you G'day everyone. For those who came in late, you're listening to Expand the Fandom Podcast, a special edition today. I think it's going to be episode 115, and it's a Kickstarter update, Treasures of Dracon. Um, my name's Dan Fraser, and today I'm joined by neither Jermaine or Steve, because um, they've got life going on, and apparently I don't. So um, I am instead joined by uh, both of the, um, I guess, the key creators behind the Phantom board game, Treasures of Dracon, um, Dale McCanty and Alex Winter. Thanks very much for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us. Fantastic. Um, we're recording this on, um, what day is it now? It's a Tuesday. Um, and I was just looking at the Kickstarter campaign. I, I wish we had got maybe two more games pledged because right now you must be at like 49.5% pledged. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. I was really hoping we might tick over the 25,500 just to say we're more than halfway. But um, <laughs> yeah. you, you guys must be so excited to be nearly halfway, um, only what is it four days into the campaign oh yeah it's Pretty incredible cool. we've got like 27 days left so it's um yeah we're, it's looking good and there's a few more plans for marketing and stuff to go so yeah it's uh it will hopefully get a few boosts yeah cool um look and i guess um as someone who's new to kickstarters this is only the second one i've ever um pledged to and whatever is that a, is that a typically good rate to be to be so far through so early in the campaign or um... I think with such a massive goal like we have um, it it is quite a good it's an amazing amount to have at this point in time um, if our goal was like twenty thousand dollars we'd be funded but there's no way we could do a twenty thousand goal with a with a licensed game because there's so many fees we have to pay yeah. so I think what we've achieved so far is just incredible how far we've come. And what, and what we're seeing here as well is quite common for Kickstarters. So you'd have the first 48 hours and the last 48 hours huge sort of uh, boosts in pledges. Um, so everything that we're seeing now is is probably normal and it's quite good. Okay, cool. So the, so the goal will be or the hope will be that it just sort of ticks along for the next uh, 15, 20 days or so. <laughs> yeah, and then there's... Sorry. Yeah. So the yeah, major goal would be for us to, you know, because it's going to do that anyway, what can we do to sort of get a few more spikes in those sales during the next 15 days? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hopefully... We'll, we'll come to the, the X-Band podcast. Yeah, I mean, I was, provide plenty of, plenty of spikes, right? I, I was going to say, hopefully you get the X-Band bump from um, from this <laughs> from this little thing. Um, yeah, whatever we can do to help out. But uh, this is... Um, Something Jermaine and I have been talking about. Do you do you feel like um, all of the f- Phantom fans have already jumped on, and now you need to look broader, or are there still Phantom fans out there who are who are ready to commit? Or what are your thoughts? I think there are hundreds of fans that still don't even know about it, and that's it's been one of the marketing issues: is how do we advertise to people that aren't on social media? How do we advertise to people that don't go on the internet? Because there's got to be so many people out there in all sorts of different um, social forums or platforms that we can't even reach. But, you know, we, we're trying to work our way through it all. We, we're trying to target different markets, different audiences. And, um, yeah, well, I mean, as you, as I said before, we're doing really good so far. We've just got to keep plugging away at it and, and trying new things and, and adapting and, yeah. 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 So if we're looking down at the analytics here, we haven't really cracked yet. Um, the EU sort of market, which is not too bad because we're already on 50%. So once we sort of do that, which we will do, uh, you're looking at a fully funded game and a lot of stretch goals. Okay. Yep. And, uh, well, that, w- that was going to be one of my questions too. Where, about, where are all of the people who are funding this coming from so far? I guess Australia, by the way, you've answered that one. 
Yeah, majority is Australia. Um, sorry, Alex. It makes sense because of our marketing. I mean, this is this is our primary platform. Oh, 100%. And, and like, you know, uh, you guys as well, uh, the podcasters are sending it out and doing a lot of sort of updates in social media. Uh, Jamie Johnson, Paul Mason as well. So that's probably why we've seen such a um, sort of surge through Australia in regards to backers. Yep. Okay. Well, um, we do have lots of listeners and readers from the website in America in particular, actually. Um, so uh, what about America? Have you, have you had much of an uptake from them? That would be our second largest um, backers. Yeah, okay. So it's Australia, then the US, and then the UK. Okay. But it was only the most recent update, which was yesterday, I think, that confirmed that the postage would be uh, still that $20 flat rate going into America, uh, sorry, into the EU, which was a great concern for a lot of, um, I think, Scandinavian backers in particular. That's right. Yeah, so we'd always um, planned to do that, obviously, uh, and we were just sort of looking at a couple of options, uh, which one would be best for the board game and also for the backers. So that was always the plan. We just hadn't uh, released it as yet. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we didn't make it obvious enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess exactly. when, when you say $20 flat rate to anywhere in the world, what people want to know is, do you actually mean that? <laughs> yes, yeah. And I guess we should have been more clear, but now we are. So, yep, hopefully we uh, we get all that back. Yeah, yeah. And look, that's cool because um, it, it's probably a little bit unbelievable for people to think that uh, $20 is going to... I can't post a... a blank sketch cover to America for $20. So um, for you guys to be able to guarantee that you're going to be able to do that anywhere in the world is, is pretty extraordinary and, and is a great reason why people should be able to, to jump on. We just love the backers so much, you know. We're just taking it out of our pockets. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case. Um, oh, I hope it's not. Um, now, I, I, I do need to ask, I, Jermaine and I, um, obviously we, we've Big fans, we talked about it in that short little podcast that we released um, that uh, we jumped on straight away. Stephen did as well. And between the three of us, I think we're checking the Kickstarter, going uh, going to the page. I don't know. I probably am going there ten times a day to check up the progress. <laughs> How often are you guys checking the progress to see um, whether you're getting more backers, what percentage you're up to nowadays, that sort of thing? How often are you checking up on it? I'm a complete narcissist. Yeah, Jordan Balance. <laughs> oh, and I'm the opposite. You, you yep. <laughs> I check it all the time. I'm checking it every hour of the hour. Um, maybe because I'm nervous. I don't know. But um, yeah, I'll check it during the middle of the night. I've checked it at like 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I hate checking it, and my wife is the one that does check it. And I sit there and I I don't look at the numbers. I look at everything else. I look at the comments. I look at the the dashboard i look at the updates you know I, I look at all that stuff but i just avoid the cost yeah i've called alex a few times and i've heard his wife in the background uh screaming out what we're on so she's <laughs> definitely always checking it <laughs> well so on the comments i know we've we've talked about the fact that um people commenting on the campaign helps um you know bring it to the to, bring it to the top of the deck, so to speak. Um, there's, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. There's 54 comments, um, again, in those first four days. Is, is that a lot of comments on a, on a Kickstarter campaign? Um, it's all right. Um, I mean, comments are only really good if they're relevant too, but, you know, we, we love seeing the excitement or seeing seeing what people's reactions are to, to our game. Like, it, it doesn't all have to be awesome. Okay, so um, so anything else about the campaign I should be talking to you about, or because I'm actually keen to probably switch track a little bit and talk about the game itself. Um, I'm not sure. If, uh, I'm not sure if you have any other questions, but I, I feel like we should be thanking the uh, Chronicle Chamber boys, Dale, because um, I don't know if any of their listeners know, but they were a pretty good sounding board for us. Um, you know, we often came to them with some questions and things like that, and they gave us some ideas back. For instance some of the icons and stuff I did in the game all came from these guys uh, and their help. Yeah, the um, the Chronicle Boys uh, were, I guess, looking at the preview in the week sort of leading up to the launch. So, yeah, big hats off to them. They um, sort of helped this uh, make it what it is. 
Well, thanks very much, guys. We, um, I, I, you know, it's all selfish because I really want a fan and board game, and anything I can do to help <laughs> you make one that uh, gets one on my shelf is um, is the least I can do. I guess that, that that brings me to the idea of, I guess there's two parts to a game like this, and, and we can talk about, I guess, who you're marketing to, whether that's gamers and people who love to play tabletop games and Phantom fans and people who like to collect Phantom. Um, so the Phantom's the theme and the gameplay's the mechanics. So uh, how, how does that, how do you meld that? How does that come to, what came first, the chicken or the egg, I guess? What, did you come up with the idea for how the game is played and then put a Phantom theme over the top or, or vice versa? Or how does that come together? If the chicken is the Phantom, then the egg came first. Right. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. So what you're saying is you had this idea for a game and then realised that the fandom was a good vehicle for it? Uh, yeah, basically. So Alex and I started designing uh, this game, I'd say it's probably closer to four years ago rather than five. It'll probably be five by the time everyone receives it in their hands. Sure. Um, but we we had a game uh, that was could be themed. It was around a temple. Uh, so it could be Indiana Jones, it could be The Phantom, anything sort of in that vein uh, probably would have fit. Uh, and then when I sort of realised after reading uh, some through comics that it actually could be a Phantom comic, um, and we went to through when we pitched it, uh, the game has changed a lot since then. So I guess like the initial idea... Details, <laughs> Is that too quick? Oh, yeah, it was. Like, Dale actually read the comic, and then he made me read it. And by the time I'd read it and said to Dale, hang on a second, this is our game, Dale had already researched um, who to talk to, who the publisher was, who who the producer was, who the license holder was, what the email address was. He'd pretty much booked the trip already uh, (laughs) behind my back. (laughs) Um, I was was confident they were going to pick it up, so... (laughs) What I'm trying to uh, sort of get to is that the game originally uh, was in one form, uh, and then when the the Phantom sort of came on and was official and we signed that contract, the game has kept evolving. So we haven't just put a Phantom cover or skin or stickers on it. Uh, The game has actually changed because of the Phantom, and it is in its best possible form as it is now because of that. So really, if I showed you a prototype of what it was four years ago to what it is now, you wouldn't recognise it. Um, It's it's just an evolution. So the the phantom from that contract being signed really kicked it into a different gear. Uh, So we have made what we think to be an amazing phantom game and also a game for board gamers. Yeah, and I guess that was probably where I was thinking, the, the way you've answered that is, it was a game first, um, which is going to be entertaining for people to play, um, and then it's, I guess, you know, from my point of view, someone who's who's got the purple crack addict um, <laughs> disease, um, it, it's become exponentially better because of its phantomness. But it is a, it is a going to be a genuinely fun game to play first and foremost. Exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. So, well, how did how did that um, did, how did that start? Did, were you just um, I. <laughs> I've got no creativity whatsoever. I wouldn't even know how to start designing a game. How did you come about starting that process? Is it just, I mean, your own experiences? I remember Dale's exact words. He, he said, um, do you want to come on this crazy adventure with me? I said, take so my hand. Was, <laughs> <laughs> they were, that, that was literally his exact words. So he, he sort of had this idea, like a, like a vague notion of, a, of an idea, and then he sort of pitched it to me. And he said, do you want to take this crazy adventure with me? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. He's just such a good-looking man. Um, how can I refuse? Look, I can't deny anything that Alex has said. It's all true, uh, especially the part about me being handsome. Um, I've actually still got the original sketch that I drew, Alex, of the board. Oh, do you? Um, yeah. So we've actually been in talks with through uh, for the – Red Dragon Saga trade paperback, which is obviously one of the rewards you can get through the campaign. And we're in discussions now about actually having a special features section in the back of the book, which is actually going to be written by Alex and myself, and it's about the creation of the game. 
And uh, I'll definitely make sure to put that image in there so people can see where the idea where sort of first start. came. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That, that's mm. a fantastic idea. I, I, that would add so much. And, and tie the trade paperback to the game, um, which I guess it, it really is inherently together as part of this Kickstarter and uh, to bring, put that in the book. I think that's a... I love seeing that work-in-progress type stuff, and uh, so many fans do. So, um, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, look, to, um, you know, this isn't tooting my own horn or anything, but the Red Dragon trade paperback wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the game. You know, so when when we pitched um, the board game to Fru and I based it on the part three of the Red Dragon saga... Um, they allowed me to write a prequel to it, uh, to create a trade paperback. And then they got Julie um, Dietrich on board and Wendell uh, Cavalcanti to do the sequel. Mm. So, you know, if it wasn't for the board game, then there actually wouldn't be a trade paperback for the Red Dragon saga. And it's an amazing story and it deserves to have one. So mm. it's pretty cool that we can, you know, it's it's almost confirmed that we'll have these special features that in the back of the book, and it really will tie it all together. That's awesome. Being the first fandom comic I ever read, I did love it. Oh, yeah. it's a very good story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, have you have you actually seen the the sequel by um, Julian Wendell, um, or, or have you got an idea of how that goes? Because obviously, we've seen um, your story, Dale, the prequel, and we've all read the. Well, we haven't all read, but many people will have read the Princess Sin saga. Um, have you have you seen the last one? I have, yeah, I've read the synopsis, Mm -hmm. and I have seen probably the first ten pages. Cool. Uh, But yeah, it's actually going to be a two-parter, the same as my Rise of the Red Dragon was. Yep. There will be two parts to it. I think the working title at the moment is The Adventure of the Dragon's Leg or Dragon's Tail or something like that. Yep. Um, But I'm not too sure if that will change when the actual final print comes. Goes goes Yeah. Okay. And and we're talking. That's nine months away or more. So, um, yeah. Okay. So there's a, a lot of water to go under the bridge there. But um, we've all um, exactly. Um, a lot of people will have seen Wendell Cavalcanti's art in the um, in the Requiem story in the Fru Annual, uh, the Phantom Goes to War Annual this year. Um, and he's an amazing artist who's only just new onto the Phantom scene, I suppose, and um, there's going to be a lot of people looking forward to, to that story for his art alone, let alone um, you know the way that it may well tie up the, the Princess in Red Dragon saga. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. All right, so um, if we come back to the game, uh, one of the things, uh, and I'm, I'm drawing on the frequently asked questions a little bit here or, or going through the comments as well, so um, some of the questions are, I guess, questions that are coming from the fans, and it's an opportunity for you to, to talk to those. One of the things that keeps coming up is this idea of the, um, the solo game or the stretch goal. Um, you know, we're talking about... Um, getting past that $51,000 mark to, to uh, fund the game and, and make it a reality. And then there's this um, stretch goal, which is another, what is it, 11, 10, 11,000 to get to uh, the solo game with Kid Phantom as the option. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Uh, we Well, solo board games have actually become quite a big thing the last year and a half. So we definitely wanted to add a, a solo uh, storyline to the game and um, when we first Dale and I actually planned it on the way up to Supernova um, it was in the plane up wasn't it Dale yeah it was yep. yeah we had like a good two hours um, to just sit down and sort of mesh it out and um, we came up with some really really solid ideas and we've been playtesting it ever since but um, the solo campaign is, is pretty much a storyline uh, based around Kid Phantom and and uh, his arch nemesis at, at that point in time. And um, you, you play through a comic strip like we do in the, the regular game, but the comic strip is, is a set comic strip, while in the, in the regular game it's a random assortment of events mm. that create a comic strip. Okay. Um, and each time you play, uh, you, when you finish, if you've sort of passed the mission that you sort of needed to do, the solo campaign will get a little bit easier. Or if you fail that mission, it'll get a little bit harder for the next round. But um, in the end, you'll always end up versing the boss, and whether that becomes a, a bit more of a cruisier ride or a bit more of a difficult ride, it, it's all up to you in the in the previous parts of the game. 
Right. Yeah. So the the villain hasn't been revealed yet, I don't think, Alex. Um, I was very so, cautious with what I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That will that will be so, an update. So I guess I can't ask right now who this arch nemesis is. Um, that, that's, <laughs> no. top, that's the obvious question. That's right. Um, we are. You are. I, I hope going to take us through a couple of the updates that haven't been released just yet as we're recording, but will be by the time this is published. Um, in a moment, but just to, to hone in again on that Kid Phantom game, um, how much of it, in terms of gameplay, how much of that is just going to be random, I guess, luck in terms of how the dice roll? I assume that the dice rolling is still part of that. And how much is it is going to be decisions that I make as I'm sitting there playing the game? That's a great question. But we, we don't design games that are just um, random luck. We, we always design it so that you make sure that, that your decisions impact your future gameplay. So decisions that you make at the start of the game will impact your game at the end of the game because, um, as I said, if you don't pass that initial mission, then it will get harder for you in the next round. Mm-hmm. Right, very intriguing. And um, and Kid Phantom, is he still on the same island where the treasures of Dracon are? Like, it's obviously um, very different storylines. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll answer that one. Um, so the storyline uh, for the Kid Phantom uh, game is that he goes to um, Dracon for the first time. So it isn't something that you're going to read in Andrew and Paul's, uh, you know, series, uh, quarterly series. Right. Um, it's it's almost like a you know a what if for an alternate sort of storyline. Okay. So they won't. I don't think at, at least at this point they won't be visiting that. Um, but it's, it's just a way of us tying in, uh, Kid Phantom, the Red Dragon, uh, saga, uh, making it cohesive, uh, and making everything sort of work together. But who knows, uh, the, the, the map in a different way as well. It's oh not yeah. It's a completely, it's a completely different game. Um, yeah. you really, yeah, you're getting two games in this box. Um, they they have different mechanics, uh, and that's why it needs to be a stretch goal because there's all these different pieces that we actually need to make uh, for the game to work. Right. So so when you're playing it with other people, there'll be pieces that stay in the box you don't use because those are just for the solo game. Correct. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. And so that's the that's the first stretch goal. Um, is there? You know, can I? Uh, you sort of uh, hinted in the in the campaign on Kickstarter there that another stretch goal will be a uh, increase in the size of the minis. Oh, definitely. That is definitely something we really, really want to get to. Um, and it's it's a little bit after that stretch goal. But we're we're going to reestablish the stretch goals a bit. I think we're going to adjust it. So we're going to leave the solo campaign where it is, but we might put in an earlier one as well. Oh, okay. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it'll be a bit more of a simple one. Um, we haven't 100% decided on what that is yet, but we'll probably update it very soon. Sure, sure. Okay, so on the minis... Um... A, I'm going to be right up front. I love the look of them. Um, they just the 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 way they're so dynamic. Um, and I think that um, might have been you, Dale, that said in a conversation we had that you didn't want the um, the thing we've seen a thousand times before, which is the Phantom standing, you know, Lord of the Jungle style with his arms crossed. You've actually got in this case a running Phantom. You've got Diana with the gun. I, I said on the the little 20 minute or podcast that we released. The day the campaign launched, I really love Garan with the the arrow drawn. Um, talk us a bit. Talk to us about the mini design. What it, what went into that? Um, how you worked with? Is it Julian Brion um, to, yeah. to come up with these? Before Alex gets into the sort of minis, I just want to tell you the the process that we actually did. Um, which That's hopefully we will. Oh yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll go straight into that. <laughs> so I was over at Alex's house, uh, and we were designing. Uh, you know, because we said that we don't want it to be what you've seen before. We want it to be action packed and dynamic. So I actually was in Alex's backyard and did all the poses, uh, whilst Alex did like this 360 run around me and took photos of every angle, so that we could pass it on to Julian. <laughs> And so, I did multiple so you, poses. You, you posed for all of these minis, Dale? 
I did pose for him. And <laughs> we I'm... joked about Jermaine posing for him, but you, you actually have. <laughs> I yeah, have. Yeah, he totally did. He, he was in our backyard and, um, like, we, we'd already discussed poses. So, you know, he did one and then I sort of copied him so that he could have a look at it and then we'd adjust something and then he'd copy me so I could have a look at it. And we, we got down all these these awesome poses. I think one of the funniest bits was um, we had to do Garan. So we got him in. Garan was one of the first ones we did, and it's probably my favorite mini there. But we had to go and get a pillow from inside and stuff it inside the shirt so it had to look a bit chunkier. Um, that photo will be in the trade paperback. That's, I was about to ask, okay. are, all, are all of these photos going to be in the trade paperback? I hope they are. Depending on space, but the Garan one definitely will because it is amazing. Absolutely. So, um, I think my wife and Dale's wife were sitting inside with my daughter and um, you know, we were outside mucking around with these photos. <laughs> and I came inside for a second. I went to the kitchen. I grabbed two carving knives and started walking outside again. And I remember... <laughs> for the princess, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, is, are you guys okay? Yeah. Is Dale okay? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. He's all right. He's alive. Don't worry. And walked out again with these two carving knives. And, uh, yes, you're right. It was for Princess Sin and Dale had to, you know, stick his, stick the knives in the, in the proper spots and we did the turnaround for that too. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Do that... you want to get into the technical side of it as well, um, Alex? So is that what you said? Those photos are what you sent to Julian? Yeah. So it was a little bit of a process. So we had to, first of all, get some ideas from, um, Glenn Ford. So we, we got the ideas from Glenn Ford, references and things like that. Um, I had to do some T poses. So it's basically a person standing with their arms outspread in the shape of a T. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was to design the clothing. So that's from the front, back and the side. Okay. So, um, I, I drew all the T poses up and, um, gave them and the references to the sculptor. And then Dale came over and we did all the, um, all the posing and the photos, and we also sent them to the sculptor. Then the sculptor sort of, he created just people standing in just a normal pose, and he put all the clothing on them, and then he posed them and um, sculpted the clothing around the poses as well. So sort of where you see like a, a leg join, you know, this uh, like a ball and socket join there. So a chunk of his, a chunk of Phantom's butt was missing, but that's because it was bent in a different way. And then what the sculptor does is after it's posed, when you see this little chunk missing, he sort of smooths that over and makes it a solid leg and a solid piece. Mm. Um, and Julian did a fantastic job. He was so open to feedback and he really um, he listened to, to everything we, we sort of needed adjusted and we've come up with these amazing things that he's created. Mm. So is that um, when he to get a bit technical, I guess, but when he first creates those, are those digital renderings that he gets feedback on or is he using a, a, a lump of clay or somewhere in between? What's the, you know... Yeah, they're digital rendering, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure what program he used, but um, he, he just did them digitally and he knew that they were going to be uh, forged. Um, that's not the right word. They're not, not 3D printed, are they? Or how, well, the prototypes are, but that was so we could get an idea of the size and how they interacted with the map. Sure, okay. Yeah. Okay. And they're the ones we're giving away. Right, so yes, that's a, that's a great segue into the prototypes. Um, when you first launched the game, there were, uh, well, I think, five, six different tiers that people could jump on and support. Um, we talked about these on, the, on that little 20-minute podcast we did, but there was the basic game, then the game plus the trade paperback, um, those things plus the prototype, which we've just been talking about, um, the the game and the trade paperback plus the universe card art, and then the, the big one, which there's still a few available for, is the, the game, the trade paperback, and some of the original art for the game. Um, you must have been pleased to see how quickly, I guess, the universe card art and the prototypes were snapped up by people jumping on the campaign yeah, it was within 24 hours. Um, every one of those levels was completely gone, uh, which was amazing. Um, we've actually got a an eighth mini um, that would be a stretch goal. Um, so if that if we do hit that stretch goal, um, we will have to obviously make more prototypes, uh, and you'll we'll do it as an update if this all occurs, obviously. Uh, but you will see that pledge level become active again. Ah. So people who have, for instance, just pledged the, I say just, have pledged the 130 odd dollars for, say, the game and the, the trade paperback, 
that might come available as an up, as an update, and then they can just pledge that extra seventy, eighty dollars, whatever it is, to upgrade their pledge to a prototype, and and then be in the mix for any of the prototypes, I guess. Yeah, that's right. So they're just going to change their pledge level, so actually be changing their reward. Yes. Um, and then yeah, exactly, they'll be in the mix because in theory there's going to be an extra three or five, you know. Um, prototypes. Sure. So, but yeah, we will do it as a uh, as an update if we hit the stretch goal. Yes. So that's you know we we're not sure what mark that is, but we do want to hit that because we do want the game to have more minis because they're incredible. Mm. Um, and we obviously want those pieces to be three D and make the game everything it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and look, anyone who has, I'm, I hope that we're preaching to the converted here, but people who have seen the minis will, will appreciate. And I think I said in the article that I wrote that if they suddenly hit the market as a, as a fully um, finished, you know, little figurine, um, there'd be, no one would, would hesitate at spending $15, $20 on those little things. There's, there's similar sorts of things coming out of England, little um, metallic figurines that regularly go on eBay for anywhere between 15 and, and 40 Australian dollars. So... Um, I think that there's there's great value just in those minis, and let alone the fact that they are just part of of, of a much bigger package. Yeah, exactly. that's really nice to hear, actually. And you're you're 100 right. Like I buy some minis from certain brand names, and I spend 40 bucks on one, um, and it's going to be the same sort of quality and the same sort of size as the 55 inch mini, uh, 55 mil mini that we're going to have. Yeah, yeah, cool. And we, we printed these these prototypes we've got. We printed them in the 32mm, the 55mm, and we had a, a bigger one, which you might have seen on the photo. There's a giant Kid Phantom there and a giant Orca on there. Hmm. Um, and it was just to see sort of the, the level of detail that goes into it. Now, I remember having this conversation with Glenn, but um, we were talking about the shape of a particular part um, on one of the characters, and um, we can see these parts really really well with the giant prototype printout but in reality if we do a 32 millimeter printout the size of princess sin's lips are less than one millimeter wide <laughs> but the detail is there <laughs> you know it, it's just incredible that the sort of um imagery we're going to get out of these pro uh, out of these minis in in the final form and that's why we really do need to get to the 55 mil so then you can actually really see all the amazing stuff that Julian's done. So that is a stretch goal we want to hit. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, excellent. So um, you, you mentioned Glenn there. Um, how much involvement is he having in the in the creative process, whether it's the art, the you, you mentioned giving you ideas on, on styles and, and um, that sort of thing for the minis? Um, what's, oh, heaps. What... Glenn's been an inspiration. He's, he's amazing. The amount of work that Glenn does, for through and and has helping us out has just been fantastic like besides the actual board game itself he's been heavily involved in everything yeah and, and look as as alex said he's heavily heavily obviously involved in through publications uh, and also doing our stuff at the same time so yeah my hat goes off to glenn he's incredible he, he's a superman yeah <laughs> oh that's that's fantastic to hear um okay so What's what's your favourite part of the game? It's interesting to hear you, you rave about so many different elements of it. Um, we we haven't even touched on on the cards. We haven't touched on the um, the dice. Um, every character has their own dice, um, and I know a few people have been asking about the designs for those and wanting to see pictures of those. Um, what's what's your favourite part of the game? What are you really looking forward to seeing produced? My uh, probably when when you're playing the actual game, uh, my favourite part is the dice battles. Um, so if anyone hasn't sort of picked up on that, each character has a unique custom dice um, that will be different and also has different values on it, and that's what makes uh, the characters unique. So you've got three things that make them unique, obviously, besides the look and the design. Uh, there's a custom dice, there's a custom player board, which has different things like different amounts of health on it, um, and, then, and then cards, obviously. Um, and my favourite element is the dice battles. So you literally have to battle against someone uh, and you roll off 
and you you compare your attack value versus their defense value, mm-hmm. and then you know you mix in people that are throwing in cards. So it's not just mm-hmm. the two suddenly that are in the dice battle; it's everyone there at the table, and they're throwing cards and they're helping their allies and they're trying to hit down their enemies. Mm-hmm. And everyone is involved. It's not like Monopoly where when you play the game, it's my turn, then I pass it over to the next person and we wait a whole round for me to play again. When you play this game, you are focused the whole time because you're actually trying to strategize and help your allies through every single person's turn, whether it's an enemy or a foe. So, yeah, for me, Dice Battles uh, gets really interesting and and people jump up. Alex has seen it. We've all done it. We jump up, you know, out oh, of the seats and we roll something, we scream. And cheer. that amazing video that uh, Duncan Munro shot at the Supernova, uh, where we actually did the gameplay video, uh, you can see uh, us getting up out of our seat and sort of getting a bit rowdy and screaming inappropriately. Um, so for me, that's my favorite part. <laughs> Absolutely, and in his absence, I'm just going to um, give uh, Jermaine a little bit of a smackdown here because he is always no, no, he about. Won. Hey, oh yes, he, he won. He won. Everybody <laughs> knows that he won. But I think that uh, Steve and I had a lot more fun than him, to be honest, because we spent a lot more time interacting and and having those battle against each other. And 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 what you're talking about in terms of the. Um, the dice battles, it's not like, okay, I'm going to choose to be Phantom here and so therefore I'm going to win because I'm some sort of Superman. Everyone's got various strengths and weaknesses and that sort of thing and, uh, you know, maybe you've got you've got great defence or uh, another character's got great attack or there's a balance. Um, every character's got their individual gameplay that I guess people are going to pick their favourites over time after they've played a few different ones. Yeah, probably. But um, I, I personally love playing Waldo. Um, not only just the design, but uh, yeah, I like the way that his, um, his powers work. So everyone has a unique power card as well that they yep. get to use once, uh, during the game. And, uh, they're all completely different. So you got, um, potentially eight different, uh, power cards. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. And, and what about you, Alex? What's your favorite part of the game? Um, I, I absolutely love, like, well, besides action point systems, because I love games that use action point systems. Um, I love that you play through a comic. Like, you you set up the comic at the start of the game and you go from one panel to the next panel to the next panel and each each segment has its own sort of objective and you're trying to achieve that objective um, and do what the comic is, is sort of displaying. Mm. And I just think that, like, there's no other game that has that that I know of and I've played a lot of games now. Mm. Um, you know, th- it's just... I find it so unique that you play through this comic and it determines the length of the game, determines what you're supposed to be doing during the game, and it's just fun. Yeah, the the actual original idea behind that was I was looking at the uh, the Phantom Dailies um, because at that point we were actually trying to come up with a system that would make the game go for a certain amount of time rather than blowing out or ending too short. Uh, And then I was looking at just some dailies and going there's three panels here if i you know times that by so many i can actually figure out how long a turn or event or a round should go for so we've included you know dailies essentially into Mm. the board game which creates a unique comic every time because you randomly shuffle those event tiles Mm. and as alex said i've never seen it before Uh, i think we've come up with something really unique and uh you know the phantom is the the first to have it Mm. And, and I know Paul Mason said that in when I asked him about the article that he really enjoyed drawing Kid Phantom um, in that panel sort of a style, um, an opportunity mm. he hadn't had before. Oh, yeah, we put up the um, his originals that are in the, the tier, and they look incredible. They're yeah. amazing. So yeah. anyone that gets one of those, you know, it's, it's fantastic. He yeah. is a talented. Yep. And, and those will be the first Kid Phantom originals that are available anywhere for anyone other than Paul to have because he hasn't sold any of the originals from any of his stories. So, um, oh, there you go. Is that right? Yeah, no, that's that's right. He, there have been many people who have asked, I know, because I'm one of them. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there there have been many people who have asked about, about his originals, but he's he's holding on to those at the moment. These will be the first ones that are available to uh, for people to take home with them. So, Yeah, perfection. 
So, um, um, Alex, you just mentioned something before. I just want to come back to you. You talked about an action points system. Now, I don't play a lot of games. What can you can you explain that a little bit? Uh, so, so during your turn, you have a, a certain number of action points, um, and this is determined by your score. So, at the start of the game, you have three action points, and there's a number of moves that you can do. So, this is this is all about player choice, right? So, we've got about four or five moves that you can do that will cost you an action point and four or five moves that you can do that do not cost an action point. So, for instance, um, just finding some gold, like picking up some gold that's already there and obvious, does not cost an action point. Um, so you might move, which does cost you an action point, pick up some gold, and then move somewhere else, and then you've spent two action points to do that. So um, it might sound a little bit confusing so far, but because of this action point system, you really get to... Uh, control what you do on your turn mm. and and there's a range of options for you to do so you know what you might choose to do with your turn will be completely different from what someone else chooses to do on their turn and you're still playing the same game yes and that that does does sound familiar because i mean it's what 10 months ago now that um the chronic <laughs> yeah, team did have a game but that sounds familiar because uh, as i said before so jermaine focused on I'm going to run over here and collect the gold and chase the amulets and that sort of thing, whereas Stephen and I sort of more focused on, well, let's have a few fights and um, and, and uh, battle against each other. So we, we, we did. We approached the game in, in different ways. Um, does yeah, that, does that impact that. necessarily on how successful you can be as a as a victor? If, if uh, we played that game 100 times and Jermaine always ran away and never came near us, would he always win? No, I don't think that's the case, but... I mean, it's all about how you use your moves. You need to sort of play and adapt and play and adapt. So um, Jermaine took advantage of the fact that you guys were battling each other, so he, he ransacked the whole temple and then kept his distance while you guys were battling. Yep. Like if, if one of you had sort of broken free from that battle and attacked Jermaine, he probably would have been in a whole different um, uh, foothold and, yep. and have to change his tactic to do something else as well. Yep. So to add on to all these different action points. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was just yep. going to say to add on top of what Alex was saying, it's actually also got a catch up mechanism. Um, so the more gold that you have, the less action points you get. So in the example of what Jermaine was doing where he was running off and getting more gold, he was actually slowing himself down every turn. So he was going down to, say, one action point, whereas you and Steve would have had three to two action points. Right. So if you had sort of split up, you actually would have been able to easily chase him down. And there you go. It's As Alex said, every turn you need to reassess what's happening on the board. And that's right. So, no, just running and grabbing the gold is not going to win you the game, depending on what everyone else does around you. You and, need and, to adapt. Yeah, okay. And, and I guess if there'd been a fourth player, um, that would have completely changed uh, the dynamic of the game as well. Definitely. Yeah, cool. All right, so are, are there any other key rules or, or ideas of the gameplay that... Um, you feel like we should share? Because, I, again, I know that that's been a, a bit of a question from um, Kickstarter um, people who are commenting and asking about the gameplay. Um, is there anything else that um, we should mention there? What, I'm trying to think now, I'm trying to remember the cards that we played and that sort of thing. Did someone get a frog? What's that noise? <laughs> I think it's Dale sharpening a pencil. Uh, no, I think it's the uh, scroller on my mouse. Sorry, oh, yeah. ignore that. <laughs> um, I yeah, uh, as uh, we had a little private chat with you guys, and you guys noticed that when we initially launched the campaign, we we really focused it towards the comic book readers because the board game crowd is going to be easier than the comic book crowd to sort of sell them this idea. Mm. Um, and after we gathered all the comic book crowd. We then changed the focus of the campaign. We added in all the gameplay. Yes. We put it all up there um, and explained it thoroughly. And now we're focusing on on board games a lot more. But it also gave all the massive comic book fans a chance to get on to the original art and the prototypes and all the rest of it, which I don't know. I don't think that the board gamers would have been really into, but it was just in case. You know, yeah. we gave everyone else a chance first. No, and, um, and uh, yeah, I certainly appreciated that because that it, w it was basically 24 hours where all of the hardcore fans, PH fans, 
um, had that opportunity to jump on and grab a prototype or some original art if they wanted to before you advertised more to the, um, the board game community, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, it was all part of the plan and it all worked really well, so I mean, we're pretty happy with where it went. But um, as, as mentioned, the, the gameplay is now fully explained there, and we're going to put the rules up pretty soon as well so people can actually read through the rules and the setup and see how the game plays and see who the teams are and what their stats are and stuff like that. Mm. So in terms of the, the game style, which I guess people will be able to figure out from the, the rules, and I know people will look forward to seeing that, um, are there other games that it's like? Because I, I've not played another game like this before. Is If people who, who are regular gamers and, and whatever, is there another game you could compare it to to say, oh, it's a bit like this, if you liked this, you're, you're going to like Treasures of Dracon? Um, I would say uh, it has um, an essence of Catan in it, which is quite a famous game. Um, any others, Dale? Uh, I'm not too sure off the top of my head. Uh, I definitely know the um, well, the event side or the unique comic side hasn't been done before. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure, honestly. Well, that, that's probably a really good sign in itself that it, this is a unique experience that people will be um, will be accessing if they if they pick themselves up a copy. Now, um, retailers, have you have you had a lot of um, in, interest from people who from from comic book shops or retailers who want to pick up the game? We are in discussion with a couple of um, retailers at the moment, mm-hmm. um, but that's all via email. That isn't um, over the Kickstarter page. So. so does their interest contribute to the overall campaign in the end? Or if, if that, if so, we if, definitely want them to, yes. Right. Yeah, so we would like retailers to email us, uh, email us mm-hmm. um, and those pledges will go during the actual campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, I've seen a couple of people make these comments uh, just on Facebook in different areas uh, that they might wait for the game to be at their retail, their you know local comic shop or anything. I would not do that, yes, um, because you guys are not going to know which retailers are actually hopping on um, because it's all via email. Mm-hmm. Um, and this and almost we'll is a sorry, say it again, Alex. And we'll miss out on stretch goals. It's a disservice. Yeah, that's right. So if a retailer does get it, they're only going to get the game-inclusive stretch goals, you know, like making the minis bigger. But they're not going to get any of the stretch goals like universe cards or anything else that we add on top of that, you know, like the Red um, Dragon um, trade paperback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, look, I would suggest you just, you know, go onto the Kickstarter and pledge down yourself. Uh, because you you might not see it at the retailer, and then once it's done, it's done. You know, we're not making uh, a lot more. They're going to sell for more as well, yeah. So we, um, you know, we yeah, I would just go on the Kickstarter. Yep, a hundred percent. All right. So um, uh, one of my other questions, I guess, BGG. Now this is something that's um, popped up. I've never heard of BGG before. BFG is the big friendly giant. I haven't gone any Sorry. further in the alphabet. What's what is BGG? Why is that a hashtag that's now appearing next to some of the things I post? <laughs> um, BGG stands for Board Game Geek, which is probably the the world's largest board game website. So um, BGG uh, stores stats and things of almost every single game that's been made. People can add in games that they've um, bought. Like, I've got my collection up there, and I log everything that I've played there just so I have a reference of, of things I've played and what I liked and what I didn't like. As a, as a designer, I think it's quite important. But um, BGG now has uh, the Phantom game up there, which people can rate and add photos and comments on and um, hopefully some reviews when, when we get it out there. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Um, now, uh, I, I want to go through a little bit about um, how people can promote it and that sort of thing, I guess, to wrap up. Is there anything that we haven't covered that, that you guys would like to talk about? Because um, uh, I know I, I mentioned or alluded to before there's going to be a couple of updates between when we record and um, when this gets published. Um, probably, uh, what are we looking at, probably the 8th, 9th of April sort of thing this might come out. So is there any, is there any updates you want to talk about now that when people listen to this will have just come out sort of thing? Yeah, in our, the... um, update, um, 
we mentioned that Sammy J had released a little uh, statement on Facebook, which uh, we quite enjoyed. Um, I was hoping if anyone knows any celebrities that love comics or comic comic books or or the Phantom, tweet to them, Facebook them, get them on board. If we can get more celebrities on it, it'll be awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, how, but- how how has Billy Zane not tweeted about this yet? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, come on, Billy. Things are hotting up. There's a board game uh, out there. <laughs> if, if we can get Billy Zane to tweet this, that'd be fantastic. I, I tweeted it to him the other day. I, I don't even. I don't think I've had any response, but I've heard he's notoriously <laughs> hard to um, to contact via social media. Yeah, I'm just going to check now while we. <laughs> Uh, Dan, the one thing I was going to say as well um, before we move on to um, wrapping this up is just with the original tier, um, the last pledge level, uh, Jamie Johnson um, is working on the majority of the art at the moment, and you can check his stuff out. He's doing time-lapse videos, which Mm. is fantastic. You want to see the process and how much detail and time and effort he's putting into it. Uh, He's on Instagram and Facebook, uh, quickdraw13. Uh, is his handle on um, Instagram. So definitely go follow him, check it out, and we probably by the time this uh, podcast comes out, an update would have already come out about his art and just showing uh, the public a few more items that you'll be essentially in the draw for uh, if you get that highest tier reward. And they're they're amazing. So, look, I personally want them. I don't want to give them away. Uh, I'd like to have them all on my wall, but, you know. Oh, I'm I'm really glad you mentioned that because I've seen a couple of these already as well, and um, he does amazing work in terms of just these these snapshots. They're so dynamic, um, and the way that he's drawing them in the in the time lapse that I've seen, you know, they're A4 or, or even bigger size, but they're they're going to be shrunk down to card size. So again, just the level of detail that um, is going to be in the finished product, let alone anyone who gets the original art. But the, the finished product is just going to look amazing as well. Yeah, and, and it is totally something that you would want to just frame on the wall um, because they just look incredible. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. All right. So um, in terms of people who, who want to promote this, um, you know, not everyone has a fandom podcast. That's what I'm doing to try and get this game made. <laughs> um, but if, if um, other people who have contributed or have pledged and they'd like to share it amongst their friends, they want to get people, I, I don't know. I've emailed the link to people I know personally. I've talked about it with individuals. Um, what else should we be doing? What, what helps? Alex? Oh, sorry. I'm 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 all up in this Billy Zane thing right now. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll handle it. Uh, yeah, like the, the obvious one. Tweeted it to him. Um, there's a guy called Sean. We really appreciate him. Uh, he's it looks like he's um, messaged Billy Zane a few times. <laughs> uh, I, I can already see how this is going to end up. It's going to end up with like a cease and desist letter from Billy Zane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some sort of court order. <laughs> yeah. This is awesome, um, and he's he's getting a lot of love too. So uh, yeah, really appreciate people um, getting onto Billy Zane there. You know his Facebook profile, uh, his Twitter profile still has him as dressed as the Phantom. Yeah, it does actually. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, ways to help us. Um, yeah. So I mean, we we shared a link on update number one. That is the link. You can click that up to three times a day, which puts us higher up on a website called Kick Tracks. The higher we are up on KickTrack, the better it is for us to get exposure. Um, tweet, uh, tweet it, mention it, tell people that don't have the internet who will tell someone else. I, I feel like there's like, ever, ever since I got into this phantom world, I feel like there's a two degrees of separation between you and someone who absolutely loves the phantom mm. and that won't know about this campaign. Um, every time I mention it to someone, they're like, oh, my uncle loves this shit. Oh, my sister. Oh, my my auntie. Oh, someone is straight away. They are obsessed with the Phantom, and they don't. They won't know about this campaign because it's just it's hard to advertise to people these days. So please just sort of spread the word. Tell people about it. Um, we just got a mention on a Spanish website. Um, top Kickstarters of the week. Top five Kickstarters of the week. Oh wow. Uh, which we're going to share share in the next update. Um, and they said something like, I had it was a loose Google translation, but it, they said something like. Um, old, old sort of. They said, I think they said B grade superheroes. <laughs> um, 
like getting a game or something like that. But you know, loose Google translation, so not not one hundred percent on the accuracy of that uh, translation. Might but, be more respectful uh, than it sounds. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but uh, they did appreciate our Kickstarter, so we we're doing a good job so far. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, just you just have to get the word out. You just have to tell someone. Just talk physically, talk to someone at work, and say, "Imagine this." Uh, uh, do you know the Phantom? He's that purple guy. There's a board game about him. You know, they they will know someone else that loves the Phantom, and and it'll be super helpful. So yeah, and depending depending on the part of the world, it might be that blue guy or that ripped guy. <laughs> so does um does refreshing my Kickstarter app count as um clicking on the on the URL that you're talking about, or do I or should I be going and click on on the URL as well? Um, you should be clicking on the URL provided in update one or just going to kicktrack.com, looking up the phantom and clicking the visit project button. Okay. All right. Well, um, the URL that's provided in case people haven't pledged and they're thinking about it, um, and they want to go and have a look at the campaign, the way you should get to it is using the URL, um, tiny URL, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L.com slash the phantom board game all one word and that will take you to all of the information that we've been talking about and more and and that's the one that you should be clicking on a regular basis you are on it you should be hired as our marketing manager <laughs> like anytime you want to um uh, slip me a, a little mini that i haven't paid for or something i'd be happy to take it <laughs> We'll, we'll talk after the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've tried this before. You won't. <laughs> All right. Well, um, anything else, guys, or, or is that are we wrapping it up? Uh, that's all for me. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's, you've done a great job, as usual. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I know Jermaine and Steve will be disappointed um, not to have been here, but... Um, we're wrapping up this up in a bit less than an hour. It would have taken nearly two if they'd been here. So um, all of the listeners will appreciate getting all the main points in a much shorter fashion um, on their commute to work. So um, thanks again, Dale and Alex, for um, for joining us. Pass our thanks on to Glenn for all of the work that he's doing as well. And um, there's, by the time people are listening to this, there's about two and a half, three weeks left in the campaign. And um, let's go our hardest to get this thing over the line. That's it. Thanks for having us, mate. So thanks again to Dale and Alex for filling us in on everything that's happening with the Kickstarter campaign. I'm so excited about this board game. I think you can probably tell. Um, I hope that uh, you listening are really excited as well. I'm actually genuinely um, looking forward to opening up the box and playing this with my family. I, looking at getting a second box that I put on the shelf for the Phantom Major Treasure Room, of course. But um, I've got kids who are enjoy playing games it's a great way for me i think to get them away from the small screens and the large screens and whatever and and sit around the family uh dining table um after after dinner and and have a have a bit of a game sounds like something that's complicated enough for them to um find challenging but simple enough for them to get into so anyway um yeah guys please get on board so that we can all enjoy the game um from a Chronicle Chamber point of view, um, thanks very much to all of our supporters. Um, this podcast is entirely um, paid for in public and uh, uh, sponsored by uh, Patreons. Um, without you guys, we would not be getting this up online. So thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. Um, of course, you do have access to the Phantom P3 Preservation Project, uh, but also we have a special competition at the moment just for Patreons. Um, that's going to be drawn at the end of May, so I think May 31st, well, that is the end of May. It's also my birthday as it happens, but uh, the end of May is when we're going to uh, draw the uh, competition for the Hermes Press copy of Don Newton's Complete the Phantom. Um, that will be just for Patreon members. Um, you'll get a ticket for every dollar per month that you are subscribed as a Patreon member at that time. Um, and we will do that draw live on Facebook or something. Maybe YouTube. I don't know. Live. We'll, we'll make sure that it's transparent anyway. Um, not like the competition that we have for Jermaine's Fumo de China magazine. Um, that is not so transparent. Um, that is a competition you can enter. Uh, that is available to everybody. You don't have to be a Patreon subscriber to be eligible for that one. You've just got to be on Facebook. And let's face it, most people are. 
go on Facebook, go to Chronicle Chamber Phantom fan page and review the um, review. Is it a review? I'll leave us a Facebook review. I'm sure that's what he said. Um, and the more positive it is, the more glowing it is, the more tickets or the more entries he's going to give you. I've got no... Um, I've got. I'm standing at arm's length from this competition. Jermaine's going to um, decide how many pe- tickets people get in the draw based on how much he likes the review. I see we've got a couple of extra ones since he announced it, which is fantastic. There's a, a video where he talks about the review, shows you the magazine, that sort of thing. So go on YouTube and have a look at that if you like. So a couple of different competitions that you can enter at the moment. Um, all of this information, whether it's about the Kickstarter campaign, the competitions we're running, or anything else fandom related, anywhere around the world, it's all available to you on chroniclechamber.com. If you've got news or if you'd want to ask us questions or whatever, then certainly hit us up on any of the social medias. You can find Jermaine Parker or myself or Stephen East um, on the social medias and, and friend us and, and ask us questions via DMs or whatever if you like. Um, or more simply and, and probably less creepy is to go to chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Send us an email in that regard. Um, on the social medias in terms of uh, our, our public pages that are associated with Chronicle Chamber. Um, as I've said, Chronicle Chamber Phantom fan pages on Facebook. We also administer the Phantom Collector Group, which is really, really popular. Lots of people put up lots of stuff about their own collections and what's to buy and that sort of stuff. Um, selling things, that sort of thing. So go and hit that up. On Twitter, we are at Chronicle, Chronicle Tweets. On Instagram, we are at Chronicle Chamber. Make sure that um, if you like what we are doing here, make sure you subscribe to on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcast app is so that you get these when Whenever they land in your inbox, um, and that way you get the latest news as um, as you have today with the Kickstarter um, campaign from Dale and Alex. So thanks again to the guys at uh, Fru Games, a subsidiary of Fru Publications. Should have asked about that now that I think about it. Anyway, um, hello to Stephen and Jermaine, who are probably listening to this for the first time now, and uh, missed you guys, but not too much. Not too much. <laughs> All right. Happy fandoming, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week and uh, get on Kickstarter. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom, the ghost who walks. The Phantom, enemies beware, the Phantom's always there, but you won't find the Phantom. After we pay for production pay for shipping, pay for our Kickstarter fee, pay for our PayPal fee, credit card fee, pay for our license fee. Yeah, I was we're making say about, features. Yeah, we're making about like $30 a box. and and Divide that by four. Yeah, divide that by four, so we're not making anything. And, um, Across and five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. We're literally, it's not even about the money. It's just, really, we just want to get this thing out there. He finds you.